Episode 8 of The Empty Rooms of Gorski Manor. Thank you so much for continuing on this journey with us. Even though each tale is its own telling, the whole journey began at the beginning. So be sure to start at Episode 1. Also, please watch for new episodes every other Friday. Blessings. I quickly followed the breadcrumb trail into the garden of Gorski Manor. I had to run quickly as the magpies ate so fast, gobbling up the many crumbs as I tried to outrun and keep ahead of them. Their voracious eating and cackling was getting on my nerves. They sometimes flew at me, seemingly trying to stop me from going where I needed to go. Yes, such naughty, naughty birds. I almost stopped in awe as I got further into the garden. It was a mesmerizing place, to describe it plainly. Dark and shadowy in the night air. So many unique, unbelievable sculptures and trellises in every direction. Arbors and planters filled with blooming flowers, mostly moonflowers, white and pure in the moon's misty light. I could hear the magpies approaching quickly, so I kept to my task and ran along the trail as it weaved over the crisscross of paths to no destinations and snaked between trees and so many thin, tall cypress bushes. I tried to look up to keep my direction, but soon got so twisted I had no idea which way I was going. The manor was now hidden behind trees heavy with leaves, so I could not use it as my compass. As I ran, I noticed the crumbs begin to dwindle. The trail, which began full and heavy with crumbs, had begun to lessen, and now was only a thin thread of crumbs showing me the way to go. Just past an empty fountain, the crumbs took a sharp turn into a maze, still trimmed with sharp edges, formed by many large yew trees. The little red berries made it have a festive feel, an odd sensation. I peered into the depths of the maze and saw it quickly turn into darkness, but the trail of crumbs continued on and in. I had to follow. I took a candle to light my way and ventured in with a deep sigh of concern, oh, oh, wish I had a map, left and right, right and left it turned. The moon was obscured and then reappeared as I entered. I caught sight of the tower of Gorski Manor and the still-lighted window shone so high above. The thought came strong that it sure is taking me long to get into the manor. It had called me here, but it is undoubtedly giving me the runaround. I am trying to get inside, truly I am, but I'm at its mercy, being pulled this way and that. The breadcrumbs became even more scarce. 
with little pieces that now had been left with large spaces between them. I stopped to catch my breath and listen for those magpies, and sure enough, their raucous calls were there at the edge of my hearing. My little candle was burning low. Darn, I need to save it for possible assistance in the future. I walked on a little more and jumped with a start as I saw two shiny amber eyes in the bush ahead of me. Before I could respond, the eyes jumped out towards me, which made me topple backwards, and with a painful plop on my backside, fell backwards. With a little scream of relief, I could see it was that black frog, Simon. Simon, I said, you gave me such a shock. I think my heart may have skipped a beat or two. No worries, miss. If I wanted to scare you to death, you would be dead. He finished with a deadpan look on his face. Oh my gosh, I thought, stifling a big scream, feeling I may be going mad here in a dark maze, here listening to a talking frog, here running from hungry magpies, here lost in a maze. I felt my breathing began to hyperventilate. I stood up, trying to compose myself. Well, you might as well hear it all. You need a little help. You got yourself lost in the maze. The breadcrumbs are not a tried-and-true old remedy. He finished as he pointed to the breadcrumb path and gave me a dismissive huff. Wah! I started to disagree with him. He pointed up ahead of us. There beyond us, I could see the magpies quietly, I mean silently, eating the last of the breadcrumbs. Somehow, they had gotten ahead of me during this little confrontation with Simon, and they cleared every little piece of breadcrumbs so I would not know where to go. Oh, yes, such really nasty magpies. I could see them finish the last crumbs and laughing loudly, flicked their tails at me, and flew off into the night. I could feel tears begin to surface, and I felt sick. A very sick feeling of panic started to churn in my stomach. I don't enjoy being lost. I always cling to the map on a new trail I may be exploring. Oh my God, I cried. There are no gods here at the moment. It's you and me. You better be nice to me, or I'll leave you too. Simon said in a preaching manner. I wiped my eyes and looked at him. He smiled a strange smile. I never saw a frog smile before. Well, do you know the way to the manor? I asked him hopefully. He kind of wiggled his nose at this. Mm. The sisters don't want me to go there. Well, maybe Rabbit will come and show you the way. This was his idea anyway. He complained. I was about to scream when I heard cawing up above. I searched frantically for the sound, thinking those magpies were back and up to more no good. 
but from behind me I felt a flap of wings and then nearly fell over when White Raven soared down and landed on my shoulder. Before I could react, she playfully nibbled at my ear and rubbed her head against mine in friendship. I reached out tentatively, and she allowed me to stroke her soft and beautiful white chest. Ah, don't believe a word he says. He's an untrustworthy, silly fellow who doesn't do what he should. I don't know why the sisters put up with him. My name is Feathers. I've been looking for you since the gate. Simon thumped his hind leg like a rabbit, showing his denial of her statement. Oh, you are the raven on the gatepost, I remembered. Why did you fly away then? Ah, wasn't the right time. You had some things to do on your own first. Ah, but we must not dally. We need to get into the manor lickety-split. I can leave the way. The clock is ticking. So much to do. Save your candle. Follow me. She instructed, and with that she flew up and ahead of us. Her white feathers were easy to see in the darkness. I blew up my candle, and we followed quickly as she wove easily to the end of the maze. I was so very happy to get out of there. I was surprised to see Simon was still with us, apparently keeping pace with our fast exit. I wonder if he actually did know how to get out of this confusing maze. And then we were totally out. I could feel my chest release, the tightness and the lack of air I had felt in that maze. I look back from whence we came and was only a little slightly shocked to see as I watched it fade into the night. Interesting was all I could offer in understanding. I turned back to the lovely cobblestone path of gray we stood on and which led from the maze entrance around a low stone wall heavy with white roses. We started down the path, and as we turned around that wall, it led directly over to Gorsky Manor. The sight of its grandeur took my breath away. Five stories high, turrets and towers, gables and tall, thin stained glass windows, black stone walls with cornices of black and white, trellises of ivy, growing several stories upwards, then escaping the confines of the trellises to wander over the stones wherever it desired. High above, I could see gargoyle statues looking down, looking down directly at me. Did they just move when I wasn't looking directly at them? Hmm. Feathers flew onto the manor, and we followed. We approached a large archway that cradled a large wooden door within, painted deep red with a number 12 above 
made of twisted iron. Thithers landed on the door knocker and motioned for me to try the doorknob. With no effort, it opened. How easy was that? The door creaked inward slowly. I had the feeling it had not been used for a very long, long time. Before me stretched a long hall, black and white checkerboard floor, fading into the darkness in the distance so far ahead. Doors of painted black wood lined the hall at irregular intervals, all shut tightly. Feathers hopped onto my shoulder, and I jumped as Simon grabbed onto my leg for comfort. I tried to shake him off, but he clung tightly, and I could feel him shaking. What a brave fellow you are, I whispered to him sarcastically. As we stood there, deciding when to enter, an amber light began to glow far at the end of the hall. I looked at Feathers, and we didn't have to say it out loud. That appears to be where we are headed. As we crossed the threshold, I heard the voice. Friends were promised. Companions have been received. I looked to Feathers and Simon for confirmation of what I had just been told. Two new friends and journey companions. But they didn't appear to have heard the voice. Hmm, that's curious. I gently closed the door and slowly, one step at a time, we started walking to our destination. Destination fear, I heard in my head. Oh, stop it, I told myself. No reason to make it worse or scarier. I looked at each door as we passed it, slowing to stop and listen. But for what? All was quiet. I thought I heard a movement behind one door, but didn't feel the need to go further right now to discover what that noise was. Behind another door came a metallic chatter, as if something had been dropped. Then another door, I noticed the handle began to turn. We stood there frozen as I watched it turn and then rattle but the door remained firmly closed, and whomever remained on the other side remained there for now. Needless to say, I picked up my pace to get to the end faster. Slowly and quietly at first, I thought, or more I felt, a gentle breath. The closer we came to the door, the louder the breath became, and stronger more insistent to be heard and paid attention to. In the shadows, I could see the walls begin to expand and recede, as if breathing in time with the breath. I looked to Feathers and Simon to see if they too were seeing this. But Simon had his eyes closed, and Feathers was focused on the door with the amber light that stood here before us. I reached for the doorknob, but with one more manner breath, it opened slowly of its own accord. 
Before me, a large room was revealed. Walls of black and white stripes. Ceiling of amber tiles carved with spirals and symbols. Large candles stood at each of the four corners. But the floor, it took my breath away as I looked at it. The floor itself was black and white checkerboard, the same as the hall. But within the center of the room was a huge wooden Ouija board. Letters cleanly carved upon it in black, the black of the night. The planchette pointed directly at us as it rested over the goodbye, not a very friendly Ouija board, and was made of gold with a clear crystal for its eye. A huge, empty, intricately carved picture frame hung on the wall above the board with a golden plaque attached to it. I carefully walked around the Ouija board, not wanting to step on it, over to the frame to read the plaque. It said, Harrison Abernathy Gorsky. Harry Gorsky. I whispered out loud with hushed excitement that caught in my throat as I covered my mouth to hear his name spoken out loud in this room. Upon speaking his name, the large candles lit one by one until all four burned brightly. Oh, how I wish his picture was in that frame. So dear, there you now will 
I walk to the planchette, looking down at its beauty. Ah, ask question, Feathers whispered in my ear. I look to her in shock. <gasps> Dare I? I always have trouble with the question. There is so much I'd like to learn, to understand. But how can I ask a question? For what I don't know of what I ask. Aww, well, ask that. Feathers suggested. I must be so open, as everyone around here seems to be able to read my mind. I thought, looking into her friendly eyes. I looked to the huge planchette, trying to figure out how to use it. It was big. Maybe six feet from tip to tip. It looked so very heavy. I looked closer at the carvings upon it. An hourglass was there within the spirals and knots and swirls. One side empty of sand, the other full. I walked closer to it and gently touched the two loops of its heart. It was very cold. I felt the slightest quiver in my fingers, as if it had been waiting for a long time for someone to awaken it. I took a breath and was about to ask the question, but I pulled my hands back and thought of my training. I have my layers of warding and protection always around me, along with my spiritual protectors, who are always on the ready to assist me. But I felt uh, a little more was needed to do this. I sat down on my knees and rubbed my hands together to ignite the energy I needed at this moment. I called on my guides, calling them near, having them support my protection and my good faith and intention. I spoke the words only to connect to the aspects within this Ouija board that are for my highest good. Then this time, I laid my hands confidently upon the planchette, this time feeling nothing negative, and voiced my question. What is the question that needs to be answered for me? I closed my eyes and set the intention deeper and waited. And the planchette began to move. I gazed into its crystal eye and caught my breath 
as I saw a man's face there looking back at me. Is that you, Harry? As quickly as the image was there, it faded. The planchette moved slowly on its own, across the board, smoothly gliding from letter to letter in the candlelight. It moved beyond my reach, as I didn't feel I should step upon the board. But it continued to the first letter, I. Quickly I understood I needed to write this all down, what was being shared, so I pulled out some paper and pen and began to watch with wide eyes what was to be seen. The planchette moved to T, S, B, E, E, N. It's been... I could read A L O N G along it's been along T I M E time it's been a long time it said needless to say this was hairy I was so mesmerized, but unfortunately the Ouija board is not the fastest divination tool. The rest of a message came slowly. It read, You are bound to the rabbit. Twelve nights, twelve clocks. Within each face, there is a place. The hourglass of Degas flows black to white, white to black. Three you are, three you must be. Which way is the right way? Which way is the best way? Know your needs. Stay true to them. They will never fail you if you listen and abide. Empty eyes see all. Oh my, what a special message. And then the planchette slowed and stopped at goodbye. I had no idea how long we sat there. It felt forever, yet it felt only a few seconds. One by one the candles began to go out and the door opened to the hall, which now was lighted brightly with many amber lanterns. There on the planchette was a small white stone. I picked it up and saw the rune de Gaz carved there, the rune of the in-between. Each side of its hourglass shape was painted a different color, one black and the other white just as carved upon the planchette. The door began to close slowly on its own. A definite sign, time to go. Quickly we ran, hearts beating hard as we passed through the closing door, so not wanting to be locked within this room. I glanced back in the last crack of the door to look at the board one more time 
and the empty picture frame above it. A portrait hung there, shadowy and unclear. I could see it look like a man. Oh, was that Harry? I pulled on the door, trying to stop it from closing, but it was too strong and closed tight as I watched the figure in the picture move. So much more understanding of this manner is what I so desire. Be careful of what you wish for. Together we walked down the brightly lit hall, once again not sure where to go, but eager to go. (laughs) 